Yo, 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 listen to the Nico Suave podcast. First and foremost, I want to say that my thoughts and prayers are with Jacob Blake and his family. Um, the man from Kenosha, Wisconsin, who was shot in the back seven times by police. Um, I know a lot of my episodes have a very serious attitude and feel to them. And um, a lot of times it's, you know, I want to bring that energy to the show. But um, I know that I can't just sit here and, and be silent when these things are going on and I try to use my platform and my podcast to try to, you know, get this information out there and make it known how I feel about these issues being a black man in America. Um, so first and foremost, I just want to say thoughts and prayers are with his family. Um, you know, it, I'm very, very upset and tired of the injustices and the pain that continues to be inflicted on my people. And, you know, I just want to bring attention to that and, you know, continue to shed light on these issues because it's a never ending issue for some reason. And, you know, I just can't stand to I can't just lay down and, and uh, accept that. And, you know, uh, we can't accept to, to keep it that way. We have to try to fight for change and use our platform to, you know, continue to, to better the place that we're living in. Um, so first and foremost, thoughts and prayers with his family and with him. Um and then I want to also add that this episode that I have recorded right here is a remote episode. This is my first time doing a remote episode where I'm not recording face to face with my guest. Um, there were some challenges with that. Um, I had to fight through that and, you know, find a way to, to make this work. But at the end of the day, it, it I think I got it done. And um, I hope the audio sounds good to you guys. I hope you all enjoy it. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back. And here you go. Today, I'm joined by somebody very special, um, a man who definitely played a, a big role in my upbringing, um, you know, coming up in, in high school. Uh, his name is Tyler Drews. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? So, Mr. Drews, as I know him, he was a teacher at Lee Davis High School when I went to uh, Lee Davis High School. I met him my senior year. That was his first year at Lee Davis. And, um, a little story behind that like I was a senior right so you know most people have senior release and I couldn't uh I didn't have a car I couldn't go home for my senior release so I ended up you know sitting in his classroom he was the history teacher so that's kind of where I I guess started my whole uh history upbringing maybe um sitting in his classroom you know seeing what he does and and all that and um yeah that was definitely a I guess a grooming process for me um and you know you definitely put me onto some stuff where you know you was you was the big homie at the time you was like grooming me and trying to put me onto game and you know I probably wasn't listening back then and um so yeah that's where we met um would you like to introduce yourself a little bit and speak to that yeah so that was um that was actually a good time in my life because you know I was fresh out of college and I was doing the things that I had set out to do and then when I got there I guess I was a little bit surprised. I didn't expect to um, form relationships with people like you, Billy, Nathan. There was a lot of kids that I really grew to. I saw them as family. I didn't really see it as like, this is my job. I looked at you guys as family and try to, you know, it was kind of weird because we had this dynamic where it was like, yo, we all look the same. And like, we look the same age, but I had just seen things that y'all hadn't seen yet. Or I've embarked on a journey that y'all hadn't seen. So I was trying to put y'all on game. But some of the times it was just like, Y'all just have to walk your own journey. And then, you know, hopefully, 
like some of the information that I was trying to give to you, I would click. I'm like, oh, that's what he was talking about. So that, that was more about um, what I was trying to do, just give y'all information because people had done that for me. I think that's what mentors are meant to do. Like, yo, put these people on the game. They're not going to listen right away. But as they navigate their own journey, they'll start to see some of the same things. And then y'all will start giving back. Like, you know, you're trying to get into teaching, you know, like that. Yeah. And then you're going to put them pe- same people on kids that look like you. You're going to naturally gravitate to them. And then your journey, which was playing football and going to school, you're going to gravitate to kids that play sports or they may have similar or common ground as you. And you're going to try to give them information so they don't have these crazy pitfalls as they enter adulthood. Yeah. So. Let me um give information or backstory to people who um may be lost. So, you know, uh Mr. Drews, he is a uh black man who taught at a predominantly white school, my high school. Um, and you know, I, I guess um I've spoke to this before. It's kinda like when we're in that space, we kinda um gravitate to each other. And those kids that you mentioned, you know, are all black kids that you mentioned that you form relationships with. Um, not that it's like not that you set out to do that, but um, that's just kind of what happened. And, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's like, so he, he was the history teacher at, at um, Lee Davis High School. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, like, how, I want to I know about your experience, because we haven't really talked about this, your experience teaching in a school like that. Um, I know you um, were educated at ODU, so you have that background of being in that, um, I guess, what would you call it? A, a, a white institution mainly. Um, you have that background. Um, what was it like teaching at Lee Davis? Well, it was different for me. Cause like when I went to old dominion, it was very diverse. Um, so you just had different people from all walks of life, not even just race, like different religions, different socioeconomic backgrounds. And so like I've adapted that mentality of like just being open-minded to different walks of life. And then being at Lee Davis, it was like, you're going to do it our way or we just not going to mess with you. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, I felt like opposition towards me, which was cool because, like, I'm not really trying to adapt y'all's culture. I'm just here to help kids. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, it was di- it was harder for me because it was like these people are against me and I'm just trying to do good. Like, I'm here with pure intentions. Like, I'm trying to help kids. But like any given opportunity, it was like just people gossiping. And I get it because I'm the odd one out. Right. I don't adapt to how you do things. Then it's kind of like, well, let's talk about him. Let's throw his name under the dirt. Like, why are these kids gravitating towards him? And so, yeah. like, that was a little bit difficult because it's like I'm not here to cause no harm. And I'm here to genuinely help kids. And I'm willing to help all, every kid. Like, you know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying certain kids gravitated towards me. Some kids didn't like me like that. I didn't I didn't care for all that. Like I was there to do a job and my job was to help kids and mentor them and teach them and groom them ultimately to become productive members of society. But anytime you enter a workspace, a team like you just have these clicks and there's a way of doing things, there's a culture. And just like my way of doing things wasn't with that culture. So it just didn't fit like everything was opposition. And it was like I couldn't understand it because. Right, I was just there to to help kids. I was solely there for that reason. And I guess the harder part to that, speaking on that, is like I told them that like I'm here to build relationships with kids, like and yeah. help them and mentor them. And like, um, and I didn't understand that, you know, I don't think they were always forthcoming and like what they were trying to say it was maybe like a little bit passive, but I think that could be culture too. Um, having more experience in the game now, I understand like there's a business side to it, right? 
Like yeah. if you're a high school kid, like the main priority is that like they pass these standardized tests, you know, yeah. or they, you know, they graduate high school or do these things. But I looked at it like if I'm doing my job, like that's going to be a byproduct of that. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Definitely. And so, um, I mean, I even put them on game when I got there. Like I'm going to have to work on the teaching component. I've never taught before at that time, you know. Yeah. So I didn't understand the importance of like a SOL test. I'm just like, yo, are these kids taken care of? Are they going to be something in society? Like I didn't really, my main focus wasn't like an SOL test, you know? Um, you be, you being kind of vague. Uh, I want you to clarify who is them that you're talking about. So you're talking about the administration at the, the school, right? See, I don't think yeah. the administration wasn't really like that because they knew me, like they had conversations, but it was more so like my colleagues, like they didn't know me. They never had they, they couldn't even like pick out my voice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like they didn't know like everything that I'm telling you was like I didn't necessarily have classes with administration because administration and I had these conversations. And I think they admired that. I think the problem that they had was like, well, their strength in numbers. So mm-hmm. if you got 10 people that ain't agreeing with one person, just by nature of the business, they're going to have to take their side. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So then since I'm the odd one out, it's like, um, well, now it's up to me to form relationships with these people. And it's like, that's a lot of energy I'm trying to expend just to get people to like me and be part of a culture. Like when I'm expending this energy talking and working with kids all day, like if you don't so, like me, then it's like, bet I couldn't stay in my room all day and do what I do. You know what I'm saying? If anybody got any questions or what's going on, I'm open and willing to talk to them. But, um, I think I think that was a major issue is just the, like my colleagues not knowing me. And then it's like you got kids just coming there all day, every day. But I didn't mind that. But they did. Like, why is kids leaving the class to come to Mr. Drew's room where if they liked yeah. me, it wouldn't have mattered. You feel me? Yeah. But, um, now, but now I'm like older, got more years in the game. Like, I understand how to, like, you know, foster those relationships with my colleagues and have that. Don't They don't necessarily have to like me, but it's a respect level. Yeah. 100 percent um so we talked we we explained that you formed relationships with um a lot of my friend group my my black friend group um you also definitely had a lot of um other you know white kids in your in your classroom it didn't really matter about race right um but did you ever set out to be a black male in the in in the education business and kind of groom black children like was that ever a thought um it might not have panned out that way was that was that ever a thought when you came into lee davis no i don't see it that way i look at it like i even look at like society now and i don't i still don't look at it and right now i teach predominantly black kids but my main thing is about trying to build a bridge right so like i remember when i was there like one of the um kids had said something hey mr drew this is the only time i've interacted with this many black kids and that's what I'm talking about, building that bridge, because if I just say I'm on this team, that that defeats the whole purpose of what we need right now. Right. Like, yeah, we need an understanding of each other. Right. So, like, I'm not to make it like political, but like it should be it should be OK to like if you're a Trump supporter, that you can get along with somebody that's a Biden supporter. If you're if you're part of the Democratic Party, you get along with someone that's part of the Republican Party. We don't need to agree. You know what I'm yeah. saying? To get along. We don't got to sit at the same table, but it don't need to be this animosity. Instead, let's take a step back and understand why this person thinks what they think. And I think yeah. that's once you start understanding people, you don't always have to agree or condone the behavior. But if you understand, that's the first step 
and be able to have this change that we all talk about. So that's kind of how I look at it. Like in my small little way, can I show you something different? Right. So yeah. like I work with predominantly black kids now, so they might not be exposed to, you know, what it's like maybe in the suburbs. I don't know, de- depending on where they come from. But it's like, let me show you what how they think. So one day yeah. when you're at a job or whatever it may be, you at least able can interact and get along. And that's more how I look at it. I don't look at it like I'm on this team or on that side. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to now I tend to sway a certain way just because I'm like, well, if somebody I don't care who it is, what color what's going on. If you're oppressed by society, I'm going to stand with you because that's not right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So and let's just say with the roles were reversed. You had, you know, poor white kids that were oppressed because of what they look like and where they come. Well, I'm going to advocate for them, too. And it just so happens in the United States of America, it happens to be poor black kids are the ones that are locked out of society. And everybody's looking at them. Well, why don't they just get a job? Why don't they just do this? I'm like, man, it's much deeper than that. But the reason they're saying that is because they truly don't understand. And, they're, and to be honest, they're not forced to understand. Right. Because, I mean, think about it. you got city kids. And you got kids that live in the suburbs. The suburbs are so they're close in proximity, physically, physical distance wise. But just in terms of like you would you would never go like, you know, for example, like if you live in Mechanicsville, what's your need to interact with Richmond City kids? You feel me? Yeah. Yeah. It's a world yeah. away, but it's 10 miles down the road. You feel me? Yeah. Um, I feel like for me trying to, you know, I'm coming up and I'm trying to be an educator. Um, it has definitely been I have sought out to teach at a white school specifically like that's what I want to do now if I get employment somewhere else of course you know I'll I'll take that but I have definitely sought out to try to teach at a predominantly white school to do exactly what you say is be that bridge because I've talked about it a thousand times these uh there's the race relations going on right now it's a main it's happening because you know there's two sides that are not hearing each other out and there's no meshing between the two. And if I could bridge that gap and have the conversation um, had between these two sides, which would be white and black, I think we could, you know, make major progress. And that leads into, you know, so I want to, I want to teach at a white school because I want white children to understand black children and I want black children to understand white children. I want to be that that bridging of the gap. Now, um, you know, of course, you can go about it different ways. You could teach at a black school and, you know, help uplift, you know, the black community because we definitely need that. And we need our black kids to to understand we were kings and queens and stuff of that nature. But for me, I feel like I could do the most good by being in a white institution and helping the suburban, mostly suburban kids understand where we are coming from. You see what I'm saying? No, absolutely. Cause they, they need that. There's not, there's not much color in terms of being in those schools. So definitely bringing that exposure or have them think about things differently. And we need that, man. And we need allies. And and that's something that in the black community that we, they have to understand as well is that like, yo, you need resources. And I live by this and, and I'll say this till the day I die. There's two things when people are loved and they have resources, they do good, right? So yeah. if we, so you need people that have money in America. I mean, let's be honest, most of your millionaires and billionaires are white. So naturally, I got to gravitate towards the person that has the resources. We don't have to be best friends. We don't have to sit at the same table. Like 
it doesn't have to be all that, but can you grant me opportunity so I can have a fair shot? And the thing is, once you start talking to people and you come at it right, they'll help you out. You know what I mean? Like literally people who have excess money, I'm not saying everybody, but they have excess resources. They want to help. Like think about it. Like as people, right? We got to break it down to a human level. When you help somebody, man, that feels good. Yeah. Like when somebody says, man, I'm successful because of you, like, man, that feels good. And so those people want to help. Not, I'm not saying every last one of them, but man, I'd say 95% of people in those seats, like they want to help, but you can't, you have to go about it in a certain way, whether you agree or not, like you have to go about it in a certain way. Like we don't have, you know, like on NBA today, like they boycotted the games. Well, a lot of what we don't have that ability just to boycott our jobs. We're not making millions of dollars where if we never got another check again. We'll be good. Yeah. And we don't have that same platform. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, I need, I, I'm not going to be, you know, a LeBron James or, you know, um, a Giannis with, with the Bucks or these guys like a Tom Brady, you know what I mean? So if yeah. I want a fair shot at having a successful life in America, I got to form allies with people that think differently than me. Yeah. And I think that's important and there's ways to go about it. And I think what you're saying about how I want to teach in a white institution, that's important. But I think there's a balance, right? There's a balance of like, we also got to teach our black kids like, yeah, these issues are here, yo. Like they really they're here. People have been yeah. fighting for years so that they can have an opportunity. So a kid that's black growing up in America today is different than even just like 50 years ago. Not yeah. saying there's setbacks, but you, let's take a kid that's five, right? Black kid that's five. We can't just feed them fear. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like we're gonna like educate you, like these are you know things you may encounter, different pitfalls and you maybe get outcast of your color, this and that, but also if we're going to sell them that and educate them, also empower them. Yeah. And I feel like that's a huge piece that's missing in the black community. It's like, okay, we want change. All right. Yeah, me too. But then Jay-Z was like, yo, we passed kneeling. Everybody went crazy. And he yeah. won't saying like, we're done like kneeling or you know, in the sense that like, we're done standing up for, you know, people that are oppressed. We're about trying to make this systemic change. I mean, you see it so, now with, we need we need allies like that's what it really comes down to what you just said kind of leads into my next you know my next thought it's like so you taught you you have experience a couple years now in education you taught um on both sides of the fence too right what do you think of the education and what we're teaching these kids black or white what do you think of the education like what is lacking what needs more emphasis and what's the issue with what we're teaching I think it's too broad because like, like, I, like I'll give you a good example, right? I'll give you a good example. Like you take a kid and uh, like we all love sports, right? Yeah. So the kid, you know, they start playing basketball or football at the age of five. They start playing flag football. They start playing in like the, um, you know, basketball with the, where the hoops are like six feet tall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this kid just ex- excels through the years. So naturally as an athlete, you get preferential treatment. I don't care what level you play at. But a key that don't make you career ready. Like if yeah. you can catch a football, right, and you're you can run a four two forty, you'll be lucky to make a career out of playing it professionally, right? Mm-hmm. You and you never want to kill somebody's dream, but it's like the chances of you even sustaining that is like very very slim. So, okay, okay I'm not saying don't play sports, but understand like we have to get our kids career ready, right? Yeah. So think about this, right? I don't care what you do. You selling something, right? 
Yeah. And when you when at, once you hit adulthood, like you're selling stuff, like, you know, even like a, like a doctor, like I'm selling you healthcare, I'm selling you like what I have you need. And that's why it's so expensive. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, some people sell cars like I'm selling education. Like it just no matter what you ha- you have to have a skill to sell. Mm-hmm. So what if we gave like, let's look at the market. Right. Well, what's in technology? So we need more kids coding. So let's I'm not saying don't play football. But mm-hmm. what if that kid learned how to code at the age of five? All the yeah. way through now, you do that all through your K through 12 curriculum. I mean, shoot, you going to college, you're prepared for it. You graduate college. Now you get a job making $70,000 starting out. So like, that's what you think. That's what you think is lacking is the lack of um, useful skills not being taught. Correct. K through 12. Correct. You need. Yeah. You need skills. Like people want to make a big deal about like, oh, you should get a trade or you should do that. That's what college is. It's nothing but a trade school. Yeah. You go into school to get to get an education to be career ready. But the thing is that everything is a business. So schools are a business, right? An engineering degree costs the same as a communications degree. But you got kids believing like, oh, I can't be an engineer. Nah, you can. You just ain't never been exposed to it. Yeah, 100%. Or, or like... um. Like you could be in healthcare. There's so many different branches of it. So what skill? Because the market don't care about your passions and this, that, and the third. It's like, what's the market and where do you fit in on that spectrum? And that's what schools should be doing is preparing you for that level. See, the thing is, we used to, you know, in 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 past days, we used to have uh, more of a, a trade. Um, a trade centric education. Um, you know, trades used to be taught more. They were emphasized more. And I feel like as the economy started to boom, they started to take that out more and more. You know, as the economy started to rise and, and production started to rise, they took out these trade schools and less and less trade was being taught. And I talked about this in a previous episode that I, I really believe that America is trying to groom second class worker or trying to groom the working class to fill those jobs because at the end of the day you need more workers than you have uh ceos you know every ceo needs a thousand workers you know it can't work the other way around you can't have a thousand ceos with one worker um and i think that's what america has tried to do and i think it's been um it, it has been accomplished really um if you look at our education system right now so you're saying that you feel like that our education system has groomed us to think to become CEOs or you're saying they um they have groomed us to become second class workers to become the working class oh yeah oh for sure absolutely because there's more for sure no no for sure and I think that um by design like you just said like there's more there's more working class people than there are CEOs Mm -hmm. but I think in the education system we can prepare people for like a lot of these jobs that like you think about it, right? A lot of your um like doctors in America, they're foreigners. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like or like your your people that work as like computer scientists or data scientists or um these jobs that pay. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And it's like they they're so fixated on like I want to do my passion. And it's like, dude, like that's not that the market doesn't care what your passion is. And and ultimately, like the the market could shift. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, dude, if you could, it, like, let, let's, for example, right? If you know how to um, fix iPhones, you make a good living for yourself. Yeah, for real. Like, you know what I'm saying? I have this lit, um, written on my wall. 
like on my little um what do you call them dry erase board it says what can uh-huh. you build and what can you fix like okay. once you if you can do those two things you'll always be good 100% you know what i'm saying and you should always be evolving to think like okay the market is shifting like let, let me go ahead and upgrade my skills right like yeah. so like okay i work in education right so i build people i help you know what i'm saying like that's my that's my thing and but in the meantime it's like okay i see this market shifting let me go back to school and be in school and learn these skills like so i'm getting my masters right now in cybersecurity like that ain't my passion but i understand like the market don't care like that's what's in so even if i never utilize it i have that on my name you feel me yeah Versus saying, like, I just always want to do this. Like, nah, because, I mean, they may, what is education going to look like in 10 years? Yeah. But if I got got the skills to do it, I'm not going to be left behind like some people if they don't adapt, you know what I'm saying, to the market. And schools need to do, we need to do a better job of that. Preparing kids and people and really to, to work. Because and the thing yeah. is, once you start working, like you can get to those other levels. I never met somebody that started out as a CEO. Yeah, like you got to work a little bit. Like you got to learn the trade. You got to learn the like the field. Like you got to learn what's going on. But in the meantime, there's jobs out here that pay that we just don't we we just don't have the skills to, to perform. I think the issue with that though is the fact that we live in a um. Uh, I guess we live in a free market, you know, world, but, um, or nation, but capitalism has really stifled that. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that, but I feel like capitalism has definitely made it so that the working class cannot advance. And, you know, what we're, the, the dreams that were sold in America that tells us that, hey, you can start off from the bottom and, and, and really climb your way from the top. It's not exactly how it works, even though you hear success stories here and there. That's not exactly how the system is designed to work. And that's not how it works in practice on a daily basis. You don't see McDonald's workers climbing the ranks to be the CEO of McDonald's or something. You don't like it just doesn't work like that. Um, A person without a college degree is and is working in retail is not just climbing the ranks in business. You see what I'm saying? No, no, absolutely. So, so you, everything that you just said is facts. I think so. It's all about perspective, right? Yeah. So, like, we 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 kind of live in a free market, right? It's like it's more like mixed because, like, there's still a lot of regulation among, amongst businesses. I mean, we saw that during the pandemic. If it was up yeah. to these businesses, they would have stayed open. But the government is really running things. Yeah. Like to the point, dude, they had stuff shut down. Like, right. You see, like right now, you can't go into a large business without wearing a mask. So like okay. we a free market is where like you just you just run in your own show. Like so there is a lot of regulation, but it's all like so the, the American dream is supposed to be this. Right. The idea that we're going to migrate and become these CEOs, that's a shot in the dark. There's just not enough seats. There's not enough position. Um, pos- yeah. Positions. But yeah. the the goal to prosperity in America is supposed to be that you get an education, right? You go to school, get your education, get a skill, you start working. So then it's like, okay, you buy your house, right? And then the idea is that you work for 30, 40 years. By the time that you retire, your house is paid off. Like your largest expense is your is your housing. Like that's your biggest expense. Mm-hmm. So by the time you retire, you might be making less in retirement 
but your your house is paid off. So you don't have that like mortgage or rent or whatever it is that you pay. And then also too, um, you have, you know, you get your retirement, but then you also get social security. Like that's how it's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain age, you start getting Medicaid or Medicare. I can't remember which one is which, but here's mm-hmm. a, another component to it. Like society rewards marriage, right? So let's say you both got people, got two people working in the house to contribute to the household. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So let's just say, like, let's make the number small. Like it's not unrealistic to get a $50,000 a year job, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you buy a, I don't know, a $250,000 $250, house between the two of you. Mm-hmm. You could pay that off within that 30 years. But then you have to account for the. Then that's the American dream, right? It's not. It's not being on TV. It's not becoming LeBron James. Like that's what it's supposed to be. But what happens when you have a system? Like it's literally a system. Yeah. You have to. It doesn't. A system doesn't account for the human element. Like yeah. it doesn't account for like man. I had kids before I was financially prepared, or it doesn't account for like a divorce or the misspending of funds or like that's kind of where things get jaded, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. But that that's the American dream. Like, and people don't, I, I don't know if they don't understand that. I don't know if that needs to be taught. I'm not really too sure on how that's supposed to go about, but that's literally like, because think about it, right? If you get married, let's say you got a mortgage for $1,200, y'all both, you know, you're splitting that $600 mm-hmm. versus like not, well, we, we preach this level of independence, but I mean, shoot, two is always better than one. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that also needs to be understood is that like even getting married, bro, that's a business decision. Like you getting yeah. tax cuts, but not only that, that's another income coming through. No, I feel it. And um, so I think that needs to be um I don't know if you could I don't know if you could fit that in through a, a K through twelve education system because I don't know how much a six year old is gonna be hearing that or like a seventeen year old is gonna be hearing that. But as you well, get older, you start to learn this stuff. You touched on it. You said um, education is part of the American dream where you, you know, well, part of the system where you go to school, you, you know, graduate, you get a job, all that shit. Um, I think my biggest issue and what I harp on the most is that the education part of the system is what's so broken. And that's the that's the whole problem that that um, that's the link in the chain to where it's broken. And now things are not meshing the way they should be in the system. You see what I'm saying? So, um Take, for example, me and you, you are a history teacher and I'm trying to be a history teacher. Um, I know that we're not exactly being taught the things that we need to be taught. We're being taught things that are jaded towards um, or skewed towards um, building nationalist uh, kids with with a nationalist um, mindset. Um, And I think that's what is really hurting the American dream. That's just a specific um, example of it. Um, but the education in general, in, in, in a broad view, is what's really hurting this link in, in this chain of um, the whole process. No, I agree. They're, they're loaded issues, right? Because if you teach people the truth, it's going it, to create what we're seeing now. Yeah. And so, like, it literally, like, is a thing of, like, it cuts off your nose despite your face. Because it's mm-hmm. like, we want change, but we don't want to crash our system. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So we're like, well, let's create another system. And it's like, how do we do that? Right. Like, and that's the thing that nobody really knows. 
like, how do you change that? Like, what do you do? Like, I'll give you an example, right? Let's just take a small example, right? So in every city, you can find hoods, low income mm-hmm. housing, subsidized housing by the government. Like you can find that in any major city. That's a problem. Not not the idea of like the like government support. Like that's what the government's supposed to do. It's supposed to lend a hand to those who need it. Mm-hmm. But it's like when you have poverty, you have crime and how we define it. So it's like, how do we go about solving that? Like, okay, this issue of police brutality is a thing. We know that. So if we tell, if we teach this in school, like let's, um, you know, educate kids about this, it's going to anger them. Right. So then it becomes a thing of like, well, what do we do? Oh, well, we can train our cops better. That that's not going to fix the problem of poverty. Yeah. Because by definition of what we describe as a crime is still going to happen regardless or not. Matter of fact, it's still going to happen whether you have police presence there or not. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, well, what do we do? It's, it's systematically designed because you go to every city. I mean, you see black people congregate into one neighborhood living off the system. Like, bro, that's by design. Yeah. So the thing is that people don't like to talk about is like, well, we need money in there. We need resources. Like, why is there why is there no crime in the suburbs like that? I'm not saying that there's not crime, but it's it's not the same. Right. It's not crime. You can go ahead and say that. <laughs> but but why? But why, you yeah. know, why is that? And that's because there's resources. Like I said, so at the beginning, if people have resources and their love, they're going to do good. In those yeah. communities, they don't have resources. And so how, yeah. do, so now, now begs the question, well, where do we get those resources? My thing, my opinion is that you get it from the, the 1%. Like, bro, you, you don't need to be a billionaire. And they'll call you a socialist for that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, dude, he needs a bill. Like, bro, I'm just asking you to have half a billion dollars so these dude people can eat. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. I'm that not- goes against the the American dream or what American is supposed to stand for. Is if you do good, you're supposed to get everything that's coming to you, and you're supposed to you can you have the you have the right to sit on all that wealth because you earned it. That ain't man. That ain't earned man. That's that's generations and generations. And there's sometimes you have like these shots in the dark, like Michael Jordan that had like a crazy skill that the market yeah. rewarded. But that don't mean Michael Jordan worked any harder than the dude out here working construction. It's so, just, you know, you well, I'm just saying it has to come from them because that's that, that that's those are the people that have the most money. And I'm not saying they got to be in a form of taxation. I'm not saying that like we can make it so they still have some money like. But, you know, people getting all this wealth, like, bro, what you got to go buy a new boat? Like, I mean, I I would say that, you know, of course, uh, all these, you know, billionaires and stuff getting tax breaks is definitely not helping. So they should be taxed accordingly to their, you know, to to their profit, to their earnings. Um, You know, we're seeing a lot of, of Trump cutting taxes for the wealthy and stuff like that. And that's not. You know, that's just not how we we fix the problem. We're only worsening it. Um, but yeah, it, you saying that you know somebody with a ton of money should you know give it to the people that that don't have anything, and that would help solve the issue. Um, that does sound like like a genuine uh, answer to the problem. But a lot of people would write you off as being a socialist and stuff like this, and not being a true American. And I think that's the issues where um, kind of alluding to what we talked about earlier with bridging the gap where we can't have those conversations like that because now your solution of the problem, your solution to the problem is viewed as un-American. And then 
even for us looking at people on the other side of it where they're like um you know they're chanting for you know uh the the wealthy shouldn't be given um I mean, the wealthy shouldn't be taxed more and, you know, they earn that money and they work for it and they're a true American. They should be able to do what they want with that. We look at them as not having uh, good morals and not being morally right or morally sound. Um, and I think that's where we have an issue with bridging the gap between these two sides that are pitted against each other. Right. So I think, too, like it's, it's, it's a hard dynamic, too, because like you alluded to something like, oh, you know, Trump cutting these taxes for the for these billionaires, but it's like at the same time, it's like they're carrying the working class. Like, so you take something like Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. Like Amazon is killing the game in terms of the amount of people that they employ, and then also the amount of people they provide for. Yeah. So it's like it's hard to say, like, you no know, tax him because, but then without if if he just says I want to stop being innovative, like you don't want to de uh, incentivize people to be creative. Right. Yeah. So no, I that's think one. Yes, that's, I've heard that before. That's that's a that's a hard like. So you don't want to. I don't want to just jump out there and be like, yo, we should tax them. But mm-hmm. and I don't and I don't know. I have to think on this some more. I don't know the answer to this. But can we create an incentive for them to help out? You know, the the lower class, if you will, people in poverty. Like, can we create an incentive? Because it's it's kind of like this, right? Like, let's say like you're in college. And like, you know, you having like a potluck mm-hmm. and the idea is that everybody's going to bring something, you know, so there's mm-hmm. some people they're going to bring chips. There's other people that's going to bring like, you know, steaks, you know, and there's going to be people that don't bring anything. Mm-hmm. Well, you ain't going to let them in. Man, if you're a nice guy, you might be like, OK, they can come, da, 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 da. But it just depends. Like it depends on their demeanor of how they're trying to get in. But yeah. in order for them to get in, they're going to have to at least have a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like the same way it works now. It's like, well, we want to reward those that are contributing. Whereas like, well, if you're poor, how you really what you going to contribute? Yeah. And so that's that's if, we don't. So we don't I wouldn't even say in America we have a race problem. We have a poor people problem. Yeah, it, that's that's something we definitely uh, skim over where we kind of blur the lines between um race relations and the social structure um and how how uh they mesh together so much because you know you look at but it, the thing is though and yeah to speak to the the social the social structure and the the economic structure I, I should say um that we're seeing it's like the things that poor black people are faced with today um you know, not being able to get a higher education and um, living off the government and, um, you know, living check to check. These are things that, you know, poor people in, you know, uh, the back roads of West Virginia are facing, too. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? But uh, I think we we graze over that because, of course, you know, uh, our people have been pre- oppressed for so long and it's more of a... Uh, I don't know. It, it's it's more of a issue. It, it's a double jeopardy with us. I'll say that it's a double jeopardy of being black in this uh, in America with dealing with the social structure. And then it's an issue of being black and poor in America. So now you're dealing with the economic um, system that, that has you pitted at the bottom. And it's uh, yeah. It, so you, you talked about the, the potluck and, and bringing things to the table. I think the number one argument would be that 
and I think you alluded to this, if you just funnel money into these poor neighborhoods and allow them to grow, because we know that if they have the money and the resources available, that we will now um, bring this community up from the gutter. And now they will be able to bring something to the potluck and we'll be able to find the next, you know, Bill Gates we will be able to find the next, um, I don't know, Stephen Hawking, whatever, you know, you see what I'm saying? No, no, I feel what you're saying. And I think, I think another thing too, and I'm all for people working and being incentivized. Like, so I think the first thing is like, I don't think that we should just like give people money, right? People do better with incentives and, and it gives them purpose. It feels like you part of something. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Think about playing on a football team, like just being on the team, like you feel like you're bigger than something. I mean, it's bigger. It's something bigger than yourself. Right. Yeah. So now you have this purpose. You have this self-esteem, like everything is firing on all cylinders. Like, so I think that's important. I don't know. I would have to like brainstorm and see what that looked like in terms of like, are we not just going to hand these people money? We're going to create incentives for them to work or like whatever it may be to try to fix these issues. I mean, there, there's a lot there. So that would take some brainstorming, but I'm not saying like, you know, people need to be out here and, uh, you know, getting stuff for free. Like, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But I think another component to it, too, we got to stop telling kids like, bro, you don't need to be the next Oprah or Bill Gates or LeBron James in order to be successful. Like, bro, if you are a contributing member of society, you are successful because we need yeah. everybody. Like, yeah, everybody plays a role. Man, I don't care if you're the grocery store clerk. I don't care if you're the janitor. I don't care. Like, whatever you do, you're contributing to society. But we grew up for whatever reason, it's all the, like, what's your title? Like, what's your status, man? Or, like, what are these things? And even people in those positions, like, bro, they could be so empty internally because it's like, damn, my entire identity is wrapped up with this thing. Like, and I, I don't agree with that. I, I feel like just, yo, be a contributing member, whatever that looks like, and just honor it. Like, let that be the thing. Like, it doesn't need to be like, oh, I need to be at the top of the socioeconomic spectrum. Like, oh, man, like, there's people out here living good lives, making making $30,000 a year. You know what I'm I saying? Think- or or $50,000 a year, or $60,000 a year, whatever it may be. There's even studies that show like once you once you make seventy thousand dollars, like there's a there's a diminishing return on your level of happiness. Like, so we all want to make money. Like, I'm not trying to like sit here and be like, oh, money doesn't matter, and I don't care about it. But what I'm trying to say is like, because kids will be feeling like failures. Like, oh man, I didn't go to the league, or like I didn't do this, or I didn't do that. Like, nah, man, just try to find your space and honor that space. So, I'm gonna respond to to two parts of that. So, um. For yeah, there is. I've been grappling with this too because I'm starting to get more in the political sphere. Like I want to understand more. Um, not that I need to be like, you know, the the debate lord or anything like that. But I feel really left out of the club. Like if I don't understand uh simple politics and stuff like that. So I've been diving more into that. So I've been grappling with uh looking at you know if we gave everybody a um, base income, a national base income to where everybody had a certain amount of income. Nobody was left behind. Um, I've looked at, you know, or, or, or looked into if we decriminalize all drugs. So no drugs would uh, have you, you know, serving time in prison. And all of these, and those two things, there are other countries that have done these and have models for these things for us to go off of. And I don't, as Americans, we don't, you know, we don't, um, we don't dive into that because we want to do it our way. You see what I'm saying? And, um, 
I think, you know, so if I want to go into like the the decriminalizing all drugs and how that would relate back to um, kids in poverty and, and there are black communities that have been ripped and torn apart because of the criminalization of drugs. If we decriminalize drugs and not to say that all black people do drugs or that's the only place that it's at because it's in rich white communities too. It's just that those high end drugs that they're using, um, but not even that they would be high end, but they are just being, um, they're, they're turning the other cheek to that side of it. Right. And it has been systematically, um, target it has systematically targeted the black communities for a reason and if we took away the criminalization of these drugs now we would be bringing cops out of the communities and letting those communities actually breathe for a second and you got to understand like crime is something that we define ourselves right so um during prohibition it was a crime to drink alcohol, but today it's perfectly fine. So crime is, is jaded towards, skewed towards um, what we believe to be illegal. It's all based on, you know, our, our personal beliefs and, and moral beliefs. So, you know, it, now you're telling us that weed or weed has been uh, illegal for so long, but now it's finally starting to get decriminalized a little bit. So now we can bring out these individuals who have been thrown in jail for it so now crime should go down in that case okay so then what if we decriminalize crack and treat it as more of a health issue instead of a crime issue and help our people who may have an addiction or may be selling um with you know uh health um help help with health i'm trying to say um and then you know, to the point that you made about everybody wants to be the next LeBron or Oprah, I think, and just speaking for my black community, and I feel like, you know, we had our, our major breakthrough in America and the thing that really put us on the same pedestal as white Americans was sports. And I know you speak to that a lot, but it's like, we want to strive for that because we don't see enough people in that sphere. Not saying we don't see enough people in the sports sphere, because we do. Um, that's why we see so many black people in the sports sphere, because we have that natural gifted talent. And that has been our breakthrough to compete with white America for so long was the sports sphere. But then somebody like Oprah, we want to shoot for that because we don't see enough people at that level. I don't know if you agree with that, but I feel like that's why we, you know, tend to do that a lot. No, no, I agree. It's all about like exposure. Like when I was growing up, like I had the idea, like, oh, I want to go to the league too. Like I want to do this, but I started learning like, ah, man, I ain't that good. So then I started noticing like, well, what other things could I do? Cause like, and I think this is important to have role models. It's like, you know, no offense to anybody that does this, but like, I didn't want to just be hustling, trying to train kids to make to pay to pay my bills i was like well i can give back but let me do it in a way that like fits the the, the table mm -hmm. like you know what i'm saying like i saw somebody and again it's about exposure i had somebody that mentored me when i was coming through and i was like man i can be like him but it took me being exposed to him to be like yo i could do the same thing whereas if not like who knows what i would have been doing but since i saw that i was like oh that's what i can become and 
and I think that's what people need. And, and I think coaches need to do that too, is expose these kids to more than just playing the sport, but they're so fixated on just winning. Like, I mean, remove now, like, do you care that you won any of your high school games? It's kind of like, like, yeah, like it's cool, but what matters now is life. And what am I prepared to make it in this big world? And so yeah. like, you, I mean, you just alluded to like the exposure piece and I, and it is hard too, also because if you really think about it, the, the percentage of African-Americans in this country runs around, you know, give or take 13%. Mm-hmm. So naturally you're going to be the minority in whatever group you're in. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's something also we got to keep in mind is like, yo, the majority of people in the United States are white. Like that's like going yeah. to a different country. That's like going to Japan. Like you go to Japan, and people are gonna be Japanese. Like you can't expect to find a black person in every space. But if you haven't been exposed to more things, you're not gonna have that perspective. You know what I'm saying? And then also the news. I think the news needs to. Man, it's not even a. I don't even think it's news anymore. Man, it's like entertainment. Yeah. It's like they they don't tell you what's going on. Like they just show you clips and videos without like giving context and, and then people just get up into this uproar. But there needs to be at that level, you know, it's all about clicks and likes and this. But like, yo, what's going on behind the scenes? Like, why is that happening? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, you're just ex- you're traumatizing black kids thinking that if they walk outside to be scared of a police officer. Bro, that, yeah. that, that's not nah, man. Like I'm not I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, there's bad cops or good cops. I'm not going to get into that. But what I'm just trying to say is you got you got black kids, no matter what, that fear police officers. Mm-hmm. And then you got police officers that don't even want to do the job anymore. You know what I mean? So it's like, what yeah. are we exposing people to when we have and I'm not like getting like religious to, or anything, but like to whom much is given, much is required. So if you have this power, your job is to help the people. Mm-hmm. versus just selling fear into them. Like, that's that's like my big thing with, like, President Trump, right? Like, when I'm not, like, getting into, like, his policies or this, that, and the third. Like, I may agree with some or not, but the main thing is, like, yo, your conduct. Like, everything you do is divisive. It's not about Republican or Democrat. It's everything you say and do with your power is to divide people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's a way to reach everybody for certain things that you just don't need to say. and 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 it's just... To me, I feel like at the top, at the top, man, there's just not enough positive leadership in, in all spectrums, man, from corporations to, you know, political leadership. It's this two party system going back and forth when it like who's really getting left behind is the everyday American. Yeah, 100 percent. It's just like, yo, we waking up every day trying to make it happen. And you got us divided amongst each other just for your own political agenda. When yeah. at the end of the day, yo, like we all Americans, if you struggle, I struggle. Right. Because I'll give you a good example of this. Right. Like something I've been beefing with is like when I go out into the public. Right. It's like I feel like the service isn't good, whether I'm at the grocery store, if I'm going out to eat, like whatever it may be. I feel like, man, I don't want to interact with the public. Yo, I just rather be at the crib chilling. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's that's leadership. Like that's your school. Like that's your you know, your political leaders, that's your corporations, because the people ain't feeling loved. They're not feeling appreciated. Yeah. Like think about people that was working during the pandemic. Like you working at like a retail place, like like a Target. Mm-hmm. Like, bro, you, you're not going to go into work with a positive attitude. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? Or like you working at a restaurant during the pandemic so you can pay rent or whatever it may be. Like you're not going to go into work with a positive attitude. Yeah. And I feel like in America, like money is important. I feel like that needs to be stressed. Like money is very important. But also being a good citizen is important, too. And I, and we're mixing that part. Like we're saying profits and money is the most important thing and nothing else matters. Nah, you got to take care of your people, too. Yeah. And speaking to, you know, the divisive nature that is going on with President Trump and just with uh, politics in general. um it's it's a it's a weird field to kind of um navigate through like i'm trying to start to understand more about politics but the more i look into it and the more i'm privy to is like it's uh the two-party system is clearly failing like drastically like it's a very very bad system and i my i don't know like it's tough to get into politics when all it is is two sides fighting against each other and they're not really trying to come to a conclusion they're not trying to understand each other they just want to debate and tell you i'm right you're wrong and that's all it is um i'm clearly a democrat um there may be a few things here and there that i may agree with on the conservative side but overall like i'm completely left and it's like now that i say that i'm not allowed to agree with anything that the right comes like brings into play um because of how divisive we are and how how we are pitted against each other and then the same thing on the right it's like they may agree with some of the things we agree with possibly um doesn't seem like it but they can't say that because they have to choose it they've picked a side now they have to fight us against it um whatever it may be and that's to the detriment of bettering the country and boosting the morale of the country and helping um just citizens flourish and helping this country flourish it's all to the detriment of that and i think that's the biggest issue and i wish the independent party or another third party whatever it is could rise so that there's another um, maybe something in the middle to where we can start to understand each other. Maybe they have, you know, bits and things they pick from the right that, you know, um, they agree with or and then bits and things from the left that they agree with. And you put it all together and that party is this and that, whatever it's called. Um, I feel like that would definitely help this country. But, man, my whole uh, it's like for me, when I'm reading into it, bro, I feel like. I generally feel like, and I know I uh, alluded to this earlier and I said it's an issue, but I generally feel like the right, right-wing right people, their morals are just jaded because of, the not that they're just nasty people, uh, I think it's because of that divide where, you know, most Democrats are lower class um, and Democrats and Black people are you know, majority Democrats, and then right-wing people are more middle-class white people, and there's that divide there, and they cannot bear to see, they don't They don't want to see on that other side of the fence and get to understand, and that just makes me, it, it, their morals just seem very off because of that, and, you know, I, I, that's my biggest thing with politics right now.
Well, well, the thing that like how I kind of like summarize it in like short is more like on a very fundamental level. Like I see like Republicans, like they care about four things. They care about their religion, Christianity. Mm -hmm. They care about taxes. Like they don't want to be taxed. I mean, who does, you know, like who wants to be taxed, right? Um, Well, I'll I'll take some taxes if it helps my people, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, they don't, yeah, they they care about, they care about guns. They care about taxes. They care about um, abortion. Mm -hmm. I I, I said the first one, what did I say? I said money, like in taxes. Oh, Christianity. Christianity, guns and abortion. Like they, they're very emphatic about those four things and the abortion part could all like kind of fall into um like the Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so like those are very controversial topics. Whereas like on the left side, it's more they care about a whole lot of stuff. Like you yeah. can't really just break it down into four things. Like even to the point like what we classify as genders. Mm-hmm. Like the people on the left will debate you about anything. And like see that I think that's where I would be like, okay, that I would be somebody would look at me as a right wing minded person because I don't think that there's gender me speak like I'll speak for myself. I don't think that there's more than one gender. But at the same time, if you tell me that you are this and that a different gender, I'm not going to fight you on it. And that's where I kind of skew back to the left a little bit because I'm not going to be like a Republican and fight you and tell you you have to be this. But I do think there's only two genders. So I'm hand in hand. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's really, that's kind of like how I see it. And I just kind of think like, I don't know, like, I think it's kind of, people care what they care about. That's really what it comes down to. Like, depending, like, you believe what you believe based on your life experiences, where you come from, like all those things that ultimately benefit you, right? This person yeah. over here, they grew up how they grew up and they're going to see things in a way that benefits them because human, and I think this is a, a, a huge piece. Humans are innately selfish. Like yeah. we, we get away from like our, our, our natural characteristics, like humans. I mean, just think about it, right? Everybody has an Instagram. Why? Because we we're narcissistic and it's okay. Like that's just our nature. Like humans are very like survival oriented human beings. Like if the power grid goes out, people gonna start killing each other over food. Like that is our natural, that's our natural instincts. Right. So then mm-hmm. it's like, okay, to civilize us, you put these social constructs out here. Like, you introduce a religion. What does a religion do? It controls you. It tells you what you can and can't do, how to treat people, how to do this. Um, then you institute, like people are at work. Like that's why jobs are important because it controls people. Like people get married. Like why? Like you have all these social constructs in place in order to control us because if you don't, like we're crazy. Yeah. And and people don't like, they like, oh man, I would never do that. Like, oh, okay, yes you would. If you was in that situation, you would. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like not like even J. Cole said in, said in a song, everybody's a killer if you push them to their limits. But it goes back to my thing. Right. When people are loved and they have resources, they can be have like this moral scope and compass about them. But if they don't have those things, you're going to act in your human instincts. Like you see, like, for example, like people get mad about on um, like people burning and looting buildings. Like, mm-hmm. bro, when you got your natural form of being a human, like that's what you're going to do in, in, in response to anger. But what's going to yeah. prevent a person to, from doing stuff like that? Like them people out there ain't got no real good paying jobs or family to go back home to and going to church on Sundays. 
You feel what I'm saying? Like they have literally nothing. So what do they have? They have their raw human element and that's how they express themselves. Yeah. And people just can't grasp that. Like, bro, we're humans. And it's like they they are they're in distress right now. Like they are being targeted. They have been um picked on for so long and they're responding in a very justifiable way. And then if you look at the family, uh, I forget what state they were in, but the the white family it might have been Wisconsin. I don't know. I know you're the, talking about the, it. It was Missouri. The, the people on their porch. Yeah, when they had protesters at their door outside the house, and they come out with guns. Um, I don't see how you draw the line and tell me that that's two different things. They felt distressed, and they felt like they had to, you know, what I'm saying, do something about it. So they started drawing guns at at people. Um, but man, I don't. I don't know. Um, I feel like the political sphere that we are in, where we see, um, and I think I think it comes down to this. I think it's boiled down to people on the left. They are more concerned with uh, helping the greater good of all people, and they are concerned with all people from different. Uh, classes and and whatnot i feel like i generally feel like the people on the right are only concerned with middle class and up and they're only concerned with um suburban white middle class families who are uh affluent enough to you know what i'm saying uh fall in line with their 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 beliefs um i feel like if you can't get in the club in that aspect then they do not care about you um and that's where I fall on the whole issue. And that's my biggest thing. And I just wish we could have a third party to rise and kind of be a middle ground. Um, it, it will be somebody who can join the, the discussion, join the debate. So it's not um, left and right bashing their heads into each other. Um, have that middle ground person or that middle ground party to rise up and, and help make a difference and, and bring a different viewpoint. Um, I feel like it could be done. I feel like the system in place has it, you know, readily available with, you know, the independent party. It's just we need a mass shift into that direction um, and and somebody to to follow, like a, a political leader that, that emerges and is worthy and, and um, you know, a, a good candidate for that, that position. No, I think that, can, that that's possible, too. So, like, anything is possible, right? So, I think also to keep in mind is, like, the changes that we want, right, currently in 2020, as we sit here, like, the changes we want, they're for the generations that come behind us. You yeah. see what I'm saying? So, they may see that in their lifetime. And I think I, I struggle with the word saying, like, America has progressed for the African-American community. I wouldn't say it's progressed. I will say it has become this place where like it's almost where it should have always been. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's not even there yet. Like it's not there yet. No, it's not. I wouldn't even say it's progress because it's like, yo, all right, well, damn, you just not, you're not hanging and lynching us anymore. Well, like that ain't really progress. Like, dog, you ain't supposed to be doing that anyway. It's just a reworking of the system. Just uh, a redesign basically. Right. So like there is there is people in power that want like this like equity for everybody you know what i'm saying in terms like i mean they tossed that around like that word equity and i struggle with it because it's like not 
because I'm all for competition, right? I'm all for like, yo, if you can create something, like you should get rewarded for that creation that you have, right? But when I speak of equity, it's just like how we treat each other. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to treat you with respect. And how Mm -hmm. would I deem as respect? And what we as a culture deem as respect, right? Because everything's just perspective, right? So in certain cultures, respect may mean one thing, but just like as an American standard, like I'm going to respect you based off our culture. I'm not going to treat you less than just because of like what you look like. And I think that's important. I'm not, I don't think that everybody needs to make like the same amount of money or like this person needs a handout because of this or because of that. But I do believe like we should look out for one another. Like, and that may sound idealistic or like that I want this utopian society, but why not strive for it? Like anything is possible, man. Like why not have it create this utopian society? Like America has done a lot of great things, a lot of great things. And we can't overlook that either. Like, there's no other place in this world I'd rather live than the United States of America. Like, you know, yeah. like go live in Rwanda for three months and see what that's like. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that like minimizes a struggle that you may have here in America, but just like here there is opportunity and there are resources available and people that do generally want to help and the crazy like stuff that happens. We can't just give that all our energy. Like we do have, there are people out here, people in power, like put tr- President Trump aside or these other political leaders that are trying to divide us. There are people in power that are currently trying to help. Yeah. And make and change. I think what you're alluding to and how I would describe it is the system is in place. I know a lot of people are calling for the system to just be abolished and redo a new one. I think the system is in place to where progress can be made and we can advance the society, um, you know, in, in a way so that everybody can benefit from it. And, and you know, we can uh, bring up our, our lower class and our black Americans. Um, so it's in place, but I think we are definitely and we have, or they have um, abused it since the day one. Like, Oh, for sure. They, Absolutely. It definitely that's and that's what I'm saying. The human element. Right. Like we have to account for the human element. It definitely has been. So it's like we're living in, you know, these 21st century principles and looking back at the 17th century principles like, yo, y'all were messed up. Mm -hmm. But it's like in a weird way, it's like y'all built this empire. Well, how you build that empire? I don't agree with it now. So we need to undo it. But it's like, how do we undo it? We can, you know what I'm saying? Like, all we can do is like kind of build off it and do the best that we can. And I think that's, I think that's a hard part because there's so many variables to the system. There's so many variables. Well, if we cut this, we do this. If we do that, like anytime you solve a problem, you create another problem. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, you could also argue, well, at least these people in low income communities they do get free health care. They do get free food. They do get free housing. Like they do, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's not what they strive for though. Like they, they would, I, I think a lot of people seem to, a lot of right wing people at least seem to think that that's what they live for and oh, they yeah, love yeah, yeah. handouts and stuff like that. But no, nah, like they want to get it, you know, they, they strive for more than that. You see what I'm saying? No, no, and, I agree. Uh, so I, I, so, and, and I don't, I don't know how you would enact this, but I'm, my thinking is like, so I'm not this person that's like, you know, 
well, I'm going to take this lower class person and be like, oh, they deserve to be the CEO of, you know, of, a, of a major corporation. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I, w- I would fight for is to, for us to have like basics, right? For yeah. everybody to have basics, like you have adequate safe housing, you have access to quality food, you have access to healthcare. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. and so how do you enact that without like taxing? Nobody wants to pay tax. I don't care who you are. Ain't nobody trying to pay tax. You make a billion dollars, you make $40,000. Nobody wants to pay taxes. Mm-hmm. And so it's all about like, how do you enact that? Like, how do you build that up? Because I feel like if you have that in place, things look a little bit different. And then like assigning a person a, a position, right? You play on a team, like not everybody can play quarterback, but dude, you need the left guard. You need the left tackle. Mm-hmm. Give everyone a position. And I and I don't know how to do that. I, I'm gonna be honest. Like, there's certain things that I don't know, but mm-hmm. like that'd be best case scenario. And you're on the right track because other countries are doing this. And of course, I I'm not the most well versed in it, so I have to keep learning. But other countries are doing these things that you're saying, and it's uh, ridiculous that you know we are viewed as radical thinking people or un-American because we want that to be done. And you know, you said it like not everybody wants to pay taxes, but sometimes that is the necessary evil. You know what I'm saying? Um, I hate it, too, even though I'm a Democrat and we push for more taxes sometimes. I'm understanding that it is a necessary evil for, you know, the better good of society. I have this one crazy thought, though, not a crazy thought, but this one idea or this one question that I wanted to hit you with. It's like, so at what point? Do we say the Constitution is outdated and we don't live by it anymore? Like, when will we get to the point in society? I don't think it would be in our lifetime, definitely. But when in the when do we ever say, okay, we have outgrown this and we do not um, adhere to this anymore? See that? See, you know, it's funny because I talk about stuff like this all the time, and it's like it's hard to say because, like. Like, think about it, right? Let's let's break it down to like, like, um, like a company, right? If something happens, right? Like something bad happens to the company, like you point to a particular person to blame. Yeah. Right. We we blame like the CEO, right? Or we blame the director, like depending on the scale of the issue. Like if something happens with Amazon, like we're gonna blame Jeff Bezos. Yeah. When do we talk about like the system, you know, and as you allude to the constitution. That's supposed to be like the blueprint of how we run our country. There's not a particular person to point to, because even if like, let's say like right now, everybody's blaming President Trump. Well, let's be honest, not everything's his fault. But we as people point to a particular person to blame for something that's going wrong. Mm -hmm. And in terms like even like the president doesn't have the ability to, quote unquote, change the system. And yeah. so I feel like I don't know, like it's just hard because it's just there. Like, but I but I will say, I think like once you I think technology is on the right path in terms of like being able to have this like utopian society and giving everybody a voice. And yeah. and I think that I think that is going to be the thing. I mean, it already has like dented our universe, like. A survival mechanism in our in, in Western culture, you have to have an iPhone. Yeah. Like if you like it's just part of it, like everybody has an like or a smartphone at least. Yeah. Like 
so everyone in a sense like you can't you can't get away with heinous acts like you once could because yeah. people are gonna record you they're gonna put you on video they're gonna put it out there next thing you know that goes viral and their strength in numbers so i think it's just a matter of technology and people getting hip to the right information and causing that 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 you know spirit of shift and yeah. what do people what are they exposed to and what do they care about to the point that like yo we're not doing this anymore because at the end of the day like we run like if if working class people there's more of us than there are them like if we just all boycotted and didn't go to work and didn't do things like it, it the system would fall apart 100 so i guess it just have to be a thing where enough people cared yeah and yeah that that definitely answers the question though and that's a, a great way to look at it like yeah i I mean, I don't think that the Constitution needs to anytime, like anytime soon, it needs to be thrown away or anything like that. But it is a weird, uh, a weird path to go down. It's like, when do we actually, you know, say that this is not what we live by anymore? And we need to update the hell out of it. And we can't just keep doing that through amendments. Um, and I think the that shift that I think is inevitable to happen in any society Um I think that would be a, a scary shift. Um, I think it it would definitely crash the system, and then after that, it might uh, it might you know go back to what you were saying. Like everybody has their you know natural state or where they you know their survival um, instincts come into play, and, and you know we might see that. Um, so I don't want to shift too uh, too harshly, but I did want to get back to. Um, you know, before we end this, I wanted to get back to the education portion of it and portion of it. And I wanted you to allude to, you know, what you are teaching in your classroom and how that conflicts with um, your beliefs or, or your um, what you actually want to be teaching. Because I know and, and there might not be a, a, a conflict in that regard, but for me, what I have learned coming up um, and what I should have been taught, there's an issue there. So when I learned what I learned in U.S. history um, in high school versus what I learned in college, um, basically in college, they just reworked everything I learned and told me, like, no, this is the actual truth. Um, how can you speak that to that a little bit and and um, maybe the, the issues in that sphere with history? Well, I kind of look at it like, um, and this is something that I've adapted over time or just to say sane and like just for my livelihood, right? Um, so as a teacher, you don't make the same money that like LeBron James makes. So I can't always give voice to things just because I feel some type of way about it, whereas somebody that makes, you know, million dollars a year can, right? So I kind of look at it like... Uh, I'm going to do my job, right? You hired me. You told me to do this. I got That's what I got to do in order to provide for my, my livelihood. Like, that's how I survive is by doing this. But the way I kind of like, I guess I feel better about it is like, I'll get kids hip to things, right? So now you're like on a history front, right? Let's just say like there's something that is required within my job that I have to do. I don't try to sugarcoat it to the kids. I'll just be like, yo, look, can you just do this because it's part of my job just to help me out yeah. and I'll help you out yeah. in return on whatever it may be. 
So I just try to keep it like as real and altruistic as possible. Um, I don't really get too caught up in like the curriculum or like the kind of history I'm teaching or like really going with like this emotional energy of like, I disagree, mm-hmm. you know, or this, because I think here, I think this is the thing, right? If you're passionate and you care about something, right? You got to, you have to, okay, you voice it out. We hear you, you're venting it. Like, what are, what are you willing to do about it? And what is your solution? So like, I don't know, like, like for right, like this school year, like I, um, so the past three years I was in an alternative school. That was a little bit different, but this year, like I'm going to be at um, a high school and I'm going to be teaching world one. So like mine, my concerns aren't even really like curriculum It's more about like helping kids be engaged in virtual online learning. Like that's where a lot of my like thoughts go. I'm not Mm -hmm. too caught up right now in like what the content actually is. It's more so like I just I need them to be engaged. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like I don't know. You just there's a lot. You can only care about so many things like your mind's going to go crazy. Like, should there be a curriculum shift? Yeah. Should there be like a court? So I don't even think there's anything wrong, wrong with being taught. I think there should be things added to it. Right. Yeah. So like in theory, like, okay. How do I really teach you U.S. history in one year? Like, that's a lot of history and a lot of years to cover. Right. So do we have other courses where we can implement so kids are hip to the thing that they need to be hip to, especially African-Americans, but not even just African-Americans, but also people, white people, Hispanics, Latinos, like whomever it is. Like, so everybody has this knowledge of this history. So I wouldn't even say, like, there's a problem with things being taught. But I think there should be an addition to things being taught, if that makes sense. I hope that answered the question. No, it definitely did. And um, yeah, I've because I've been grappling with this. Um, I mean, you know, I was heavy in changing the name of the high school here. But I think that next step and what I'm trying to really read into is how do we now shift the curriculum and um, help beef it up some because it really is not... Um, it's not deep enough, um, if you see what I'm saying. And it's not, um, you know, just based on personal, I don't know what everybody's getting taught everywhere in America, but here in Hanover County, Virginia, when I was taught, I was not taught um, about, you know, people of my uh, race the way I should have been. And then you just alluded to it too, which I didn't even think about, Um, you know, Hispanics and Latin Americans make up a portion of this country. I was taught nothing about, you know, um, immigration or, or um, you know, anything regarding um, Hispanic people. And that's a big issue, too, because I'm related back to something that I've been uh, really into lately. It's like there's a big, a big issue with Americans and the immigration policies we have set forth and people's stance on immigration. And so many Americans, the majority of Americans are so, um, so they're in the blind, they're in the dark, and they have no um, real understanding of how immigration works and how these immigrants come over legally and how the obstacles of that are are so, um, so jaded and, 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 uh, fucked up for lack of better terms. And I think that's such a huge issue here in America because clearly we're fighting immigration and, you know, uh, at the borders of Mexico and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, 
people fleeing from other countries and the process to come over here legally is so messed up and people don't understand that and then the issue uh that people have with uh illegal immigrants coming through the the holes of of the borders is definitely a huge issue and i feel like that could be touched on a little bit in our curriculum um in k through 12 um i don't know the thing is where's the room for it and i think that's the biggest issue no nah, for sure there definitely needs to be and see this is what i'm saying about the bridge because there's always two ways to look at it right because let's say um let's say you talk about like immigration right you have people coming over here from i don't know let's say guatemala i don't know well you know people on the left are gonna look at it well like they they deserve opportunity too like let's let them in da 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 but as we see, like with the coronavirus and the pandemic, the right will argue, well, these people could possibly bring diseases. Um, these yeah. people could possibly bring crime because they're not coming with money. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so when you don't have any money, what do you do? You steal. And then what do you steal? Identities. You steal. It, it, it just there's a lot of things that can't just be like this morality thing. There needs to be some practicality of what's going on. But again. Is what you alluded to. It starts with education and understanding like the entirety of it. Like we mm-hmm. can't just say, hey, we want to let these people in because we care about them. Like, it's kind of like it's kind of like, you know, if you love somebody, right, you care about them deeply, man. You just have like this deep, deep care and compassion for a person. But you know that they're sick. Are you going to let them come over to your house? Nah. Yeah. Um, if you think, you know, that you, they have a history of stealing, like you love them and care about them. Are you going to let them over to your house? Nah. So that's one way to look at it. Right. But then the other side to look at is like, well, I know they have these things, so I want to help them. And I just think there needs, there's a, like, a middle, like, I think of myself as very moderate. Like I don't like have like a, um, I try to understand both sides. Yeah. I'm the same way. And I think, I've definitely fall on one side. No, I mean, I do too, just naturally, like yeah. where I vote and stuff like that. But I can agree with like certain things on this side or that side. Or I hate that I even have to pick a side. Like, like I'm not yeah. like, like politically, like I'm not a fan of Biden. Like, come on, bro. Yeah. Like, eh, like that's the best we got. Like, yeah, Um, that's just the nature of the game. That's what we kind of talked to, talked about already. But I think that like there does, there needs to be an education, you know, format for to understand that. Because if you don't understand like it's kind of like you're going to have your your view in, in a very misinformed way. Yeah. And I can't really fault you for not knowing. How are you supposed to know? Like, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, I definitely allude to that a lot. It's like, uh, you know, I can't. Yeah. Once you're given the information, then you can choose, you know, what side you choose to fall on. But without the information, um, I can't fault you too much. But um, yeah, it's like those who know better do better. So that's my whole thing with the with the education. And I think, you know, maybe I feel like there is time to beef up the education in history for, you know, to, to make change. Um, And I think things could be cut out and that could, you know, free up some time for it. But yeah, it, it's definitely um, an issue that we see um, ongoing in our curriculum. Um, but I'm going um, to try to wrap this up real quick. Um, I ain't trying to hold you too long. I know it's getting late, too, so I know you got something to do. Um, but I definitely uh, appreciate you coming on. I ain't talked to you in so long, which is the the 
beauty of this podcast. I'm t- getting to talk to people that I haven't talked to sometimes in, in a really long time and, you know, get to kick it with them and, and um, really connect again. So I thank you for that, man. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, man. You know, it's always open communication on this side, man. I don't care if it's we ain't talked in a year, six months, man. Like I was telling you one time, man, it's always family. Like anyone that I've interacted with, man, where you go on your own journeys, you're doing your own things. And like, that's what I like to see. Like we don't got to stay in communication and talk on a regular basis. But if, if circles ever revert back, it's always love. But, you know, most importantly, I'm always wishing all y'all well. Like that's kind of how I see it. 100%. And, you know, as I'm navigating through this, um, this journey of trying to become an educator, you know, I'm, you've been helping me out. Like I throw you questions here and there and that's definitely been a help. So, um, no, nah, I really appreciate you. You've definitely been a, a good friend to me. And, um, you know, I, I thank you for coming on. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and end it right here. Um, I thank all y'all for listening again. Um, thank you for, for coming in, tapping in with me one more time, um, to start your week. Whenever you listen to it, it don't matter. Um, thank y'all. I love y'all and I'm out.